to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And this week we're here to entertain you as we run another episode from our Christmas party that we had last week. Uh, and this one, as the evening got later, gets a little bit uh, more fun there. But it's great to be talking to some of the top livestock breeders and cattle showmen in the UK on this podcast. And uh, we all have a little bit of fun there. I hope you enjoy and join in there. And uh, like to wish everybody a happy new year, all of our listeners out there. And I uh, hope you're having a good time and enduring the rough weather. And this might lift your spirits a little bit. And don't forget that we are sponsored by Harbro, those uh, fantastic suppliers and uh, manufacturers of quality livestock and nutrition. And we're always grateful to their their partnership and uh, make sure that you look them out and see what they can do for you in this coming year 2024. I did mention we'd have a conversation with the, the, the best beast that won Smithfield and, and Woody said what's the best beast that didn't win Smithfield so I'm not quite sure we're in the right company to do this 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 poll what do you think? The best beast that didn't win. <laughs> that's every beast that didn't. Well that's right. No. Well Andy I'll tell you a story about old Willie Stewart that was cattle in it other night Mm-hmm. He won. He won Smithfield three times for different homes, and the only photo he had in the house was the beast that should have won it and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was a this old bigger. He, he, <laughs> but that is dead. He had this photo. He should have won it with and didn't. But that would be going to the early sixties. Yeah. He had even got a cabirdi. A cabirdi, yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. He had pride Marie uh, Thorn. He he went to Thorn after Bertrog. Right, okay. And then he had the shorthorn steer from our Phoenix Freeze, the the shorthorn steer from Abernight. Okay. There's a great and, great story about Pride Marita from from Thorn that uh, you guys have probably all known. She'd won Smithfield, and she was to be sold uh, to the butcher. And there was some story that she was a pure Angus. Am I right? I think it's a pure Angus. But she, she was a pure Angus. She got a white stripe under her belly, or a white on her nose, maybe a white stripe somewhere. Anyway, that uh, Alan Grant decided that she wasn't good enough to stay for breeding, so she was going to be sold. And then somehow somebody leaked it to the papers, I don't know. So it got into the papers and all the press all about side and it's like, Marita must die because she's not pure black or something. And this is before the black and white um, prejudice thing came on, but uh, white stripe says Marita must die. So this whole thing outside, so they, everybody campaigned outside that uh, that she wasn't allowed to be sold. So she was she was still sold to the butcher, but then there was a word that two years later there was a beast came back to Smithfield that was... Mother was put down and yeah, yeah, her on, yeah. so she didn't get to... a Charlie Cross. <laughs> it was supposed to be offered, but uh, I'm sure if there was white where it shouldn't have been, Willie Stewart would have had it hidden first. <laughs> right, yeah. Archie, I'm, I'm going to save all your stories till I see you in bloody South America. For, for... Uh, that's quite interesting. To, yeah. I'll try to think of a beast that uh, that should have won Smithfield and didn't, and uh, I think one that. Quite a few of us here will remember as as a uh, as when a uh, uh, Gavin Scott was reserve champion at Smithfield and and the judge openly said afterwards that uh, if I'd been first in his class it would have been champion. Mm-hmm. But he was uh, that, that that was a very good animal too. A couple of times that second prize has ended up being reserve, hasn't it? I can't think the the other one, but there's a couple of times the second prize. Jim McMillan was reserve with a second prize win. I can't mind what it was, but it was a Charlie Cross, wasn't it? Silver, silver cloud. That would have been, let me think. John Lascelles maybe beat him. Would it be? Gavin Scott walked into the King's Cup after I showed the beast for when that went through to steer champion and got beaten by Jeff Ballas of Starlight and and, and uh, was it Phil Sellers reserve that year and the, and the steer was uh, was steer champion and then. Uh, to win the King's Cup, and then they found out he hadn't read it at all. He'd bought it in Brecon, and somebody had changed the tag. So Gavin came through and won the King's Cup <laughs> that year. So, uh, yes, it comes around and goes around, you know. Archie, what was, it, what was the name of the, the, the big bullock that you showed Winterfield? George McCullough showed us Winterfield. Uh, yeah, that was, that was very disappointed after the 
the morning's judging, Andy, we were second. Uh, Supersonic was his name. Uh, we, we were second with Supersonic, and, and we were second second with a heifer called the uh, Lynn. And um, it finished up. Supersonic was reserve steer champion, and Lynn was reserve heifer champion. And, and Supersonic, was, Supersonic was reserve overall. Yeah. So you can sometimes do quite well with setting browsing. I'm seeing the hunters down there. Wendy, you got anything to say? Are you quiet all night? I don't have very much to say, but I think Stuart's got plenty to say. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a good day. It'll be a bad day when he doesn't. It'll be a bad day when he doesn't. Come on, Stuart, give us some of your wisdom. I've got a brought day for a wedding, son. <laughs> I haven't got a no, no. Just very right for what I've saying. Um, the youngsters today, you know, we've got one of our own sitting here who's very keen in the job. He'll never see the likes of that that we saw. Um, some of the times you saw when you were in Smithfield, <laughs> when that one I was cattle orientated, but uh, one I remember in the Lily Langfrey, um, there was this, uh, I think it was the year that Erotica was on. Uh, and uh, there was this three folk sitting at the table, and David Blair and Alistair Cormack weren't quite sure which the third was. There was definitely a man and a woman, but they couldn't understand what the other end was. So David Blair said, that's a Jenny Willis. So, of course, me being the youngest in of the crowd was sent across to the table to find out if she was a Jenny Willis. <laughs> so, uh, not quite going as far as Mick Dundee and Crocodile Dundee. I did my best to find out, but uh, I, she was in a them. <laughs> but uh, no, great, great times. And the last, the last year of the kiss party was, uh, it was a place to be. And there was drink playing about Alba. There was no glasses to be had, so I ended up drinking out a Pringles tube. It was just that was great times, great times. It's just unfortunate it's gone and never to be repeated. Wait, Wendy, you'd have done a lot better, especially before you met him, that's for sure. They, you, you and your old man, they would have given that some, some good kick of the ball in the Smith Feeder, your share of prizes down there. You're pretty keen then. No wonder the boy's keen. He's got to, he's got a mother like you, not not a bloody idiot like his father. <laughs> I've never met his father, have you? <laughs> Fair do see you, young man. Now, you, you've, you've earned your spurs already. I've seen you getting out and about there and uh, done well. So what you say to, to the the fat stock show in these days is it's not so easy, yeah? I think there's there's more money involved nowadays, and I think it's even more serious than it was in our day because of the, the vast amount of money that's spent. You made it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the the boys was if you could go to like so the Cali or Fenston and you could pick up something that was fifth prize in its class and it had the money and the champion would sell. I, I do remember, okay, it was in Smithfield, who were reserved at the Winter Fair with a fourth prize eh, dipping bullock. Bought it to Cali for 12, 1300, and the champion made six or six and a half that day. And we were reserved overall, and the boy that bought the champion in the Cali that day said, if I'd known that bullock was going to do that, I would have bought it. <laughs> so money doesn't mean prizes. And just... That's what we have to try. We try and tell the younger generation, finally sitting here, that's that's that's, that's how Wendy made me reserve champion that day at nine and a half thousand. Uh, and no champion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. But the job is getting. The job is getting to a point now where the, I suppose the embryos come into it the same as it has. It we won't even go into the sheep there, but uh, the job has got into it now. We can all go and buy the same animal pretty much through through an embryo and. Uh, when there's money to be made, you know, cows at five, six, seven thousand, then you can afford to embryo these things, but ending up with the same beast. So you can always almost design an animal, really, isn't it? But the thing is, what's changed, like you said earlier, a lot of the good cattle were sourced in the north of Scotland in the past. Mm. They're Can not I... there anymore. They're, they're very hard to find in this part of the world compared to what they used to be. Um, I think they're maybe making a comeback. The spectacular has been a bit more impressive this past year, and there's a lot of enthusiastic young ones. 
think Scotland have lost it a wee bit. When I mean, you see how far Ireland has come and England and Wales in the last few years, Scotland's, oh, it's not so easy to keep up. See, the boys sitting in the top corner of my screen there, Donald McPherson and Charlie there, they're having a, having a chat. I mean, the cattle have changed. The cattle have changed, Donald and Charlie, the cattle have changed. You both guys still breed continentals, but you've both still got to traditional native cattle at heart there. Is there still a hankling for the for going back for the thicker ones? And the, and the more American friends will tell us, yeah, they, they, it's more about getting some eye muscle back in them and, and ribeye and... and Fat on them? Is, is there a change coming? No, do you know? I think you're losing the place. I think you just need to go to the, the, the winter fair at the Welsh and who won that? Scotland, didn't it? Who was mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Lindsay Stewart. Stewart. They've done well. So, you know, I think um, the Scottish boys are doing pretty bloody well. well. I'm not saying it's not the Scottish cattle. I'm saying is it a change of cattle or is it, is, is it more of a native type of beast now coming? I don't think so. They're, like, I've got Anguses, but they're not good to look at. You know, they're, they're, and they're easy to look after, but they're not bonny. So, <laughs> but they're not though. They're, they're, they're not like show animals at all. I mean, the hind legs are shocking. Their shoulders are. Uh, but the way the way the show job is going, um, is getting like they're getting far too heavy. In our day, they were far too light. But nowadays they're getting far too heavy because they can't get enough condition on them. So they're losing the qualities that we used to like, like, you know, the nice heads and the lugs and the good legs. You know, that's been kind of superseded now and it's all about shape. And uh, I think the showiness has kind of gone a wee bit, I'm afraid to say. I might be just a grumpy old shit, but that's (laughs) the way I'm seeing it. Um, They're not... I don't see the, the kind of quality side getting put to the top now. It's more the carcass, which they might people might be right. I think that it's a, a show animal. It's all about perfection. So you have to have the head right, the legs right, the hair right, everything right. But it's only my way of thinking. Well, I agree with Donnie. You know, I'm a real fat stock man. You've got to go for legs, style, and shape and all that you know if you lose your style you've lost everything in the breed you know it's not just about a, a carcass so there's a, there's two ways to look at everything i think but, but oh. donald you've also got you, you've got a little bit of insight into it now i suppose between the pair of you one you know charlie you know top pedigree made a bit uh, uh, donald with, with killing a lot of beef or putting a lot of beef through through the retail trade there uh, you'll know what size of beast is needed um, I'm not sure you, how many of your own beasts you put through your own, own retail trade now, but it, it, you do need that heavier beast to to to, to get that level of, of volume of, of killing out percentage to 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 put that through the, the burger trade that you're in, I suppose, or, or the, the the beef trade. Yeah, no, but, but the bulk of the cuts, the bulk of the uh, value comes from the good cuts, the sirloins and um, and the ribeye, and if you get the, if once you're over six hundred kilos, Andy. Nobody can afford to be paying like eight or nine quid just for one steak. Sure. You know, sure. it's, it's crazy. So the, the carcasses are way too big now for the kind of normal re- retail trade. And in the showing side, you know, the, these animals are killing out a massive percentages because uh, they're such good looking animals. But if you're at 650 kilos, you're going to get like, I don't know, 450 kilos. Huge. It's it's not it's not in keeping with what's wanted in the retail trade. I totally agree with you. Why has that happened? How has that happened? Why why has that happened? As you said, you know, it was a looking back nine, ten hundred weight was a was a was a, a class of a steer when I was you know, first into it. Why? How, you know, that's four fifty kilos. Why why has that turned into to six fifty? How? Well, I think, I think I guess it comes down to the pedigree boys, so because they're producing for the show calf market, so if they're producing for that market, they're wanting all shape, and you you can't get the finish on them at five hundred and fifty kilos anymore. It just doesn't happen. In our day, Andy, we used to try and keep the fat off them, mm-hmm. and now you can't get enough fat on. Them. I was going to speak for a chance to speak. Go on, Jack. Well, I just wonder if there's too much continental breeding in the dam side. 
of the, the mothers of the, the fast talkers. And you, you stream backside and you lose the quality along the line, the top the back, along the, the top lines of the beast. Your, your beasts have been showing recently your Angus is out, your Charlie's out of Angus cows. They're so evenly fleshed. They're terrific animals. I, I think the Continentals were built to pull ploughs and not for eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit extreme. Charlie, yeah, Eddie, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Everything you have continental are there to give you a bit more kilos per feet and they, size. They produce your size. Yes, but your your proper Angus in the olden days, I before my time even, would be easy flesh and cackle mm-hmm. with, with the back, like you say. And a, a marriage between the both were perfect. The one the Smith, uh, Charlie Cross, uh, Angus, mm-hmm. Angus's. Mm-hmm. The big cattle are fine, and feeding is cheap, but feeding is not so cheap nowadays. You know, yes. there's, a, there's a medium to be high, I think, back to a, a more balanced beast. A beast that can actually be, um, grow without feeding it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that goes back to, not been the Angus boys, but I think the Angus have got too much like Charlie's, they're just too big. Yeah. Yeah. The old Angus, you want to call it the old Angus, built buckle, they were uh, easily fleshed cattle. I managed yeah. to do what. No, I'm no experienced. I'm too young for that to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're missing out the limousine in this. The limousine kind of throws a bit in the middle. The limousine would, would, would more, was put in more of the killing out percentage in these oh, things. There's no reason for a limousine to be 650 kilos, is there? Man, but the limousine are good cattle and you can't get away from them. They were the no. cattle, but uh, they're just getting a little bit... I'm not a limousine man, but they're getting a little bit um, more Belgianly blue, but they're... They very, very good beast, and um, I, I'm, I can't say too much for limits. Hugh and, 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 and Ian, if there's something as well, I mean, I was going to say, Hugh, you still the, the demise of the demise of the autumn herd hasn't helped the big avoiding the big cattle winning because it's all springborn cattle at 20, 20 months old now, instead of as Hugh was saying earlier, winning my 30 month old heifer. Oh, yeah, and so. People are keeping them till they're older. And the type, as you're saying, there is too much, probably too much hard continentals in the cows. So they're not getting, you're not getting the firmness in the flesh when they're young like they used to. So it's very difficult. There's not enough autumn cows in the country breeding that type of calves. But also the type of cows that they're coming out of, it's hard to get them to flesh. But that... Harder flesh, you know what I mean for for them handling properly. Yeah, at a young age, that's my take on it. Anyway, yeah, you're right. In I think you you do know that. I mean, you're still breeding cattle, but they're going. They are finishing this later age. Why why have we gone cattle so big? Oh, good question. It just seems to be if they're no seven hundred kilos now, they're no finished. Uh, I do agree with the fact. I think it's to do with the the breeding that's in them. Right enough, there's been quite a bit mentioned on. Social media this last week through the Limousine Society, some arguments I saw between the genes. Um, I think I think that's got a lot to do with it. But if you want to produce these kind of calves, which is in vogue at the moment, it's you've got to look at them. Um, even selling this, so well, ninety nine percent of mine are sold through the store ring, and if they've got that bit of shape, they do command quite a bit of premium. So it's difficult to get them both ways. What do you say, Ian? Ian Anderson? Yeah. What do I say? Aye. Well, obviously, you know, I've been out of the job for a few years now, but uh, the type of cattle, the show cattle I'm talking about now, they've got to have the, the, the shapes and perhaps maybe a, a lot of them nowadays just have really too much back end but not enough loin. And I think it comes through the mm-hmm. British Blue or the Belgian Blue. Maybe they're improving now, but uh, the type of cattle are completely different for the ones that I first started with. But the best ones nowadays are, I still like them. They're still, they're still there. I, I quite like the type that I have now. Providing they've got the loin, and that is... Just the problem we're about, not enough in the line. Just to, just to go back, Andy, back to the, uh, the, the breeding of the show calves nowadays, 
I mean, it's it's very much a specialised job now, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's, a lot of them are embryo calves and the and, uh, 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 ex fat stock show ones that were that were uh, uh, flushed, etc. Um, back in the eighties and nineties, we were working uh, well when Vagabond was at his prime. The the mothers that just of all the Vagabond calves were were black Irish cows. They were Angus Cross. Uh, Angus cross cows, and 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 so they, they were they were fairly cheaply produced compared to uh, the cost of producing these these ones nowadays. Uh, I mean, I, I think the only the Starlight that Jeff Bellis won Smithfield with, she she was uh, she was vagabond out of pure limousine, but for the most part, they were they were, they were all out of these black Irish cows, and they were, and as you say, they were very very easy fleshed at that time, and and you were. Uh, um, well, the whole fat stock job was so different then. The, 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 the cattle were a lot lighter. It was usually babies that were winning. Uh, and, I, and I was looking at the, 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 your, uh, the Smithfield things that you have been up uh, on Facebook. And, and, and the, the, the first Charlie, the one Smithfield, Charlie of Lowney, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it, it was actually eight and three quarter hundred weight, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, less, less than 450 kilos. Um, so uh, there's a there's a little bit just taking you up there. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to that. Actually, it's absolutely right that they were youngsters, and they would we'd all won. You know, it used to be the one from the baby section would win the would win the show, or the intermediate section, the senior one, huh? never got a look in. Never got a look in nowadays. Okay, that was to do with age as much as weight, but nowadays you look you see the shows and it's all the heavy ones, and it? it is. I remember. I remember. Fraser stuff. I says we appeared at Smithfield two years in a row. Same beast uh, called Action Man, um, junior section, and then senior section. Mm-hmm. Junior section. I think it was third or second or third in the class. And when they returned the second year, was a reserve senior champion. Yeah. Shardley, reserve senior champion. Action Man. The name of the, the, the I showed a beast in 1983. I think the first Belgian blue to be in Smithfield, and he was called Blue Peter. And he was, I think, he was under nine months old, and I would say eight, eight, eight months and something, just under nine months old. And he went there, and he was four, four hundred kilos, something like that. Yeah, you know, a good weight for a beast that age. And I brought him back uh, a year later, and he went in the intermediate section, and he came second and reserve in his section. So uh, yeah, what weight was it then, Andy? I can't remember to be fair when he came, came back when he came back the second time I can't remember but uh, he was a Belgian blue out of a Frisian beast and he was the first first Belgian blue to ever be in Smithfield one of the first Belgian blue to be born in the country to be fair so good back well. really yeah his first one by Lulu's first, you know, first Belgian blue in the country just what you're saying earlier up the stair you know with the sheep session guys their competition was you know as hotly contested as we were in the cattle section oh, I mean, if not it's a science, and then Dave, you'll come back into that, but it's a science. I mean, it, um, uh, Rob Patterson tells me about when he was working for Richard Colgrave, and they'd have 50, <laughs> 50 60 lambs in, in, in a pen, and they'll have split them four ways in four pens, and he'd, every morning you go and move one from one pen to the other one, so they get a like, different feeding. It's complete. <laughs> the same thing, it's a specialist job. And that, it's like Donald said, you know, Donald McPherson said, it's <laughs> you know, it, was, that, it was an obsession, that's what you're going to do, and that's you know, when you're going to do it, that, that's, you've got to run all the stops. You know, and then until we until we arch it back, but you know how how we all used to travel to Smithfield. Oh man, did we have luxury? I remember, I remember going with Tom and his dad, Rossi, and we read Bedford, magnificent. What a way to travel! <laughs> uh, and, and then you had the added luxury of you know Fraser Stock Ranches Bay. A great big, you know, horse box, Southport, they called it, uh, driven by Ronnie Wiley. You know, you'll never ever forget these days, you know. And, and, and you know, somebody said the other day, oh, we broke down the sharp Hector. I think you said there was a year that, uh, was it 1970? I think it was 78, I think it was. Uh, 78, somewhere. Like the diesel frozen. The top diesel frozen. Top frozen top the sharp. <laughs> And the me- the mechanics came out in the middle of the night and changed Correct. the fuel pipes. Uh-huh. Oh, it's, 
and well, well, we, we managed well, to get the sat in the cabin, bloody well froze exactly. to death. It was we didn't have enough internal heat. <laughs> No, like lucky in, in Anderson there with a the coal fire in the back of the no. train. <laughs> he, he was sitting the coal fire in front of the, the train wagon. At, uh, magnificent. But 1970, 1971, my first year in London, I sat in the engine of an ERF, a Comer, all the way from Perth to London for 18 hours. They seat on it, because they're big carrying on the engine now, and that's a bit of warm bit. Robert Aiken was older than me and he got the seat and I had to sit on the engine. <laughs> <laughs> Robert wouldn't be much older than you, to be fair, Hector. He's not much older, but he is old. <laughs> <laughs> and M6 wasn't open at that time. So we went across Bruff to Scotch Corner and down the A1. Oh, really? Aye. And I remember it clearly. It was a hell of a night of fog. And Norman Bowers was driving, and there was a counterflow, and the nose of the lorry was touching the boards, putting them back on his own side, and he got out of the lorry in A1 and walked round about it to get his bearings. So you can imagine walking round about a lorry in A1 these days. <laughs> I'd never been south of Edinburgh before, and I hadn't a bloody clue what was happening. <laughs> You'd been there helping. <laughs> I just sat and hoped for the best. Well, I, I I used to take um with, with the cattle. We had a local boy. A boy used to drive our cattle. We'd we'd run in four or five hundred cattle at the time and and uh, take him in the Kidderminster market every week. And the local we'd sold our wagon and, and the local um, boy used to do the hauling. He was a palaman. He lost his license to, to drink and driving. So take the cattle down to Smithfield. So I drove the wagon down and I would be. I suppose I just passed my, my HGV, so be 21 maybe, and, and driving a, a float of cattle into the middle of London. I'd never driven in London much in my life as well. And driving a float of cattle to the middle of London, it's, a, it's quite a scary experience to me, <laughs> especially when you, as, as, um, when you get to Smedford, you can see it and you can't fucking find your way in. You drive around and there's one-way systems going up, one-way systems going down, and you can never find your way in there. Just It was quite hey, scary. see something, you can't get there. Right, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, you know, you know, Tom and, and, and his dad, you know, for a magnificent, see that we that we bed for went anywhere, anywhere. Coming home from Smithfield, Papa went way up the road with Gran, and Tom and I were in the lobby, and he kept saying to me, Come on, I said, You usually tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, we bed for Norman with a week forward. Uh, D series, uh -huh. four cylinder engine. They windscreen washers. The wiper was working right enough, but you, and I dusted my hand and I was with my window doing the right hand side. <laughs> the uh, corner of the windscreen so I could see. What was the year I sold your battery, Tom? You what? Find the sold your battery one year. Right. You start it. Oh, it was oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was always parked out at the back of the ramp. Errol's Court, I didn't know there was a market on there on the Sunday. When I went in the Sunday morning, I was in the back of Errol's Court, went home to your bed at night. I kept feeding the lorry, and doing this night to get some feed, and I went to switch the lighter, and inside were they light, the battery was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stick to it. Sold the battery. A battery cheaper today than the one I had to buy doing there. <laughs> David McCarroll will tell you the story about us coming back on the road but well David's sidekick Gundun was a, a worthy from Broxman who would well in my eyes would have been the secretary of the Slug Whitman uh, Singing Society. But I didn't know the guy, but my God, what an entertainment that boy was. He sung every Slug Whitman song. <laughs> but see, when you get to Southway, it becomes fucking bored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, on, you're on repeat. 
And you're good for all eaters. Remember the wee boy used to work for for um for the Queen at Balmoral and Gordon, I can't remember his other name now, somebody might correct me. And um he used to come down with the the, the Highland cattle from Balmoral come down and could he, he, he I always thought he was a stocksman, and I found out about three years later he was just the gardener, but she used to like him, so she'd send him down to Smithfield with his cattle and he'd come down, he'd drink his way down and, and literally would be two bottles of 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 uh, of grace to the good by the time he arrived in London. But boy that could that boy drink. And some other some other guys dared him, and they literally would would would. Oh, again, Hector will will tell you that. I mean, there would be one driver, and the rest of the guys would just stick two or three bottles away in the back. I've heard tales of guys sitting in the back of the wagon and just sitting there partying the whole day. Well, Donald will confirm this. We went. Donald was the first lorry into the car park. And we were the second one. And it I used was to be with Howard Patrick. We were, Howard Patrick was always good. I was a, Drew Patrick's old man. He used but, to take my cat. Well, we might have been second and third, mm. but our lorry was next, and it was a real mild night. And we hung a cover between the two lorries, and I don't know how much whiskey was consumed in that car park that night. I think it mostly came out of Donald's <laughs> lorry. But it was... It would be the year he won with Donald, Donald Bannon. But by hell, what a night we had. Well, you're straight, you're straight off of of, um, of the Scottish Winter Fair, you boys as well. Came straight out of there. When we'd come from oh. Birmingham, we'd had a few days' grace. We'd go home yeah. and come back again in time to see the wife. Whereas you guys had come straight out of Edinburgh and straight down, weren't you? Straight, literally that night. Uh, in the olden days, we were away from home for a fortnight. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, you went into the Fat Stop show and, well, it was Perth on the Monday and you were there till Thursday mm-hmm. and you didn't, you travelled overnight till you were in London on Friday morning, hopefully, and you weren't didn't get out of London till the next Friday yeah, night. Yeah, that's true. It was a week. So, it was... If I come back by lorry, it would be Saturday lunchtime at the earliest before I was home. So, see, see that that year you're talking about uh-huh. when when we left Earl's Court, Teak was driving the wee wagon. And of course, he liked to be first in, first out, uh-huh. and uh, so and of course he was absolutely buzzing because we won. So he says he get flower of Scotland on the cassette, so the cassette on and the the wagon, and he turned up full blast, and it's like, oh, flower of Scotland, and Teak's driving, proud as punching, great McPherson, great McPherson, like this, and he turned up to the score, and we, we ended up in Oxford Street. Christmas Day, Christmas Day. El Tico. He's a star. That was a good night, though, Donald. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you need that. <laughs> you know, some some great people who no longer with us, you know, one of the guys um, that I was associated with was Ronnie Wiley from from Driven. Ronnie was a, a, a cattle float driver for Cooper's Agarham. But Ronnie always took annual leave to drive the float for uh, Fraser Stock Ranches going to, you know, the, the Winter Fair and uh, Smithfield and all the rest of it. And Ronnie, Ronnie was the float driver. He was, you know, growing up with Ronnie, absolutely magnificent. What an education. I mean, Ronnie had been to Smithfield far more times than I had ever been. And he guided you, you know. For example, we were talking about, you know, staying down below under the, 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 the building itself with Julian Hawkwood. You'll meet all these people, you know, they'll look after you. Ronnie was just man, what an education. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. Tell on the story, Norman, about Ronnie and the cattle slats. Ronnie, when he was the I driving with Coopers, he went to pick up cattle at a, I'll not mention what farm he went to pick them up at, but Anyway, he got them loaded on the lorry and he, he, he ran back out in the cattle slats and there was a slap missing. And he disappeared down in the slurry. He disappeared down in the slurry pit and came back up at the same bit. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just I thought you were going to go into a different story there, actually. <laughs> no, no, so did I. I thought you were going to a different story. That was yeah. a rich talk. <laughs> Shit. Nothing to I do thought, with I thought he was going to a different story there as well, Don. <laughs> 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 we'll better not we'll better not go into We'll leave we'll that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll go there. Yes. I think it was the same cattle company, but maybe not the same driver. <laughs> <laughs> but it would always be the same same floats that came down. I remember there would be Davidson's Iron Grey and there would be McCluskey's basically would be the but between them they'd bring most of the cattle down and double deck. Uh, Bobby or Oliver's. Oliver's. Oliver. Yeah. Lately it was Alan Scott to rule it. He's retired, doesn't he? Yeah, he's retired now, yeah. I've asked you this a thousand times. Hector, was it McCluskey of Almond Bank? Yes, right. Um, Grey and Red Lorries, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ben McCluskey. Ben McCluskey. But some of those cattle wouldn't travel so well on the top deck, though, surely, would it? I mean, you wouldn't want the cattle on the top deck, would you? Or they'd go just as well on the deck, I don't know. Just three deckers in these days. I mean, it was the top deck with the sheep were third deck. No, but I mean, the, the cattle on the second deck, they wouldn't travel that well, would they? Up there, would they or not? don't think we ever had, we never had any experiences. It was always lorries and drag or something like that. Remember John Sinnott yeah. said he would never travel his sheep on the drag. He said, take the sheep up to Scotland. He wouldn't take them, put them on the drag. He said, you drive behind a drag and he watched the way it just moves side to side all the time. He said, it rocks the sheep that never... They never settle on the drag. That's right. Isn't it? If you have enough whiskey, you think it's going straight. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never mind the cow, but the people travelling the buses. Actually, remember that night we left home? Oh, uh, that, that was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've got one story. No, I've got one story that actually saved my life, and he doesn't know, but it's actually saved my life in London one night, and I was down at the. At the was that Soho? No, it wasn't too far away from from Earl Scotland. <laughs> I was at the cash point, and I went there just to to go to who's with me. I can't remember. Maybe on my own. I went to the cash point, and I went there just went put my card in, went to get some money, and I turned around, and these two large black guys standing behind me and it was like yeah they were just crating me on both sides and it's like shit i'm in trouble here now and i said oh, and the guy to start to speak and i said i'm here with my friends i look around the corner and he's archie walking around the corner i can't remember who was with you but it was you and somebody else and i went i'm here with my pals and i went my pal and they stood up together and it's like okay he's my mate and i went to speak to archie and you were that pissed you couldn't even fucking speak let alone fucking help, help me out of a train there but you saved me getting mugged that night so they were just, i'm ever in debt to you that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, very good. Don't remember that actually. <laughs> no, you wouldn't remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember one experience. I talked about taking, taking cattle down in the lorry. Well, in the early days, we used to we had a wee bed for the uh, lorry, and we, we took took our own cattle down. And um, <laughs> we arrived down at uh, um, uh, the usual time, two half two in the morning, and uh, Dave Clark. Like a flashy boy, flashy uh, boy. <laughs> no longer with no longer with us. He he was in the lorry next to me, and and uh, uh, the pair of us decided we were starving. So we thought, bound to be something open in London at this time of night. So 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 we what two two innocent boys wandering down the street, you know, and and we after a while we turned a corner, and here was these two black guys kissing, and well. <laughs> that gave us the biggest shock of our lives. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's normal nowadays. It's <laughs> just normal. It's just normal. And that, uh, I, that same bed for Laurie, I remember uh, coming home at the end and, and um, I was driving and, and uh, we section behind the seats. Libby was there. Uh, she 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 fell asleep before she got to London and woke up in Colsai. So. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good. the way it's babbled. That's a dumb chat that night, I'll tell you. <laughs> See, the, banner, the banner must have been good. <laughs> That'll be her waking up in Buenos Aires in about two weeks' time, Archie. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. We sleep by the time you get to Heathrow. 
<laughs> yeah, I can turn them off. Do you want to see this? Hang on. Hey, Google, turn the lights off. No. <laughs> <laughs> if only the wife was so obedient to. <laughs> Absolutely cracking chatting everybody. I said we'd have, have a couple of three hours, and it's just brilliant. And I'll edit it down, and we'll put some of it out this week. Yeah, I think oh. you better edit some of it. Definitely so. <laughs> Definitely so. My, oh. my father was there for years to start down there just in the, for the mid-60s onwards. Mm-hmm. And my youngest brother and as many other boys, and they shared the bunks down in the dungeon with the, I think it was like a hell of a boys who, Bob Powell and company. Yeah. And yeah. Bob Powell and his, his stockman, they would be going to their beds at night and the the cold, the, the boys went down. My father was quite a few of them. The Butte fairies, they were going out in the town, pecked up behind them. Trampus. And there was all there was always a bit of mischief when they come back in after we kind of tanked up, and then they would be sound asleep in the morning for the Hereford boys would be going out to their work. So they wheeled my young brother's bed out onto the lift. He woke up in the morning and he was beside the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Tampus woke up one morning. He was very good at sleeping. You could then to him, you couldn't wake him. He was hanging for the pipes and the, the, the dungeons, you know, the, the heat pipes. Aye. Yeah. They strapped him up to the roof. <laughs> they did the same with me, Tam. They took me. One night, and I'd been out with Phil Salas. We'd been out till oh, way, way into the, into the early mornings, and and two, three days in a row, I think. And uh, so I came back one morning, and so they'd picked my bed up and taken me, you know, carried me down from A Block, and and um, Julian was on here earlier on. They carried me from A Block down the corridor all the way to the bottom of there, which is the main entrance where they come in from the tube station. So they'd take me out there, and then there's, there was the isolation pens so there was a, some wooden pens they put down any animals they'll take it down and put it down there because it was just a yeah. little bit of draft and it was outside so, so they put so they carried me and stuck me in this bloody isolation pen still fast asleep the, the four of six of them, like a bloody like a carrying a coffin they carry me all the way down this bloody corridor two three hundred yards and got me down and stuck me in this isolation pen so people are arriving at, at earl's court in the morning and they're looking down and seeing looking over in, in the pen and seeing this fella lying there asleep so i woke up it was about nine o'clock in the morning i woke up so I thought, well, I've got to get back to, to my, uh, i got to get back to my bloody digs there. So I'm, I'm in the sleeping bag, that's all. So I've got to get back. So I've got to get back now 500 yards back down this corridor with all these people arriving at the, at the mm-hmm. amongst all of them walking down, trying to get down this corridor. So I'm shuffling along in the sleeping bag, you know, literally <laughs> two, two, two steps at a time, trying to get all the way back down this bloody, down there. And eventually I found a guy that was bringing a, a barrel of beer and he got a barrel of beer on a sack truck. So I sat on the barrel of beer. So I got delivered back to my bed there, back on in, in, in the, in the sack truck at nine o'clock in the morning. Bastard. Some of the tricks, some of the tricks that he did didn't, didn't pay to sleep in in the mornings. That was for sure. It didn't. Be. <laughs> I see. I see Ian on there, uh, and uh, have you had a wee song from him yet? Ian Anderson has, has he given you a wee song yet? No, he hasn't. It's probably about time he did. To be fair, though, isn't it? Get, Ian, get I, would, I, would, I would think so. What, what about, do you remember that with Ian? Was it we Johnny lost his jury? We <laughs> <laughs> Aye. 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 That one. Aye. Aye. Do you remember it? Go for it. Oh, aye. What do you want it now? Aye, surely far away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You've got to have a lot of drink to do that. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, the story is anybody that doesn't know what a jory is, it's a marble. And the story is the wee boy was up in Glasgow. And he lost his marble, or jory. And he lost it doing a kundi, a drain. The story is, we willy lost his jory, we willy lost his jory, we willy lost his jory, doing the brimilo, for he lost it doing the kundi. He lost it doing the kundi, he lost it doing the kundi, doing the brimilo, 
Oh, and still they could be Richard, and still they could be Richard, and still they could be Richard in the Brunello. So we went and got a poker, he went and got a poker, he went and got a poker in the Brunello, and he shoved it in the candy, shoved it in the candy, he shoved it in the candy, and in the Brunello. And still they could be Richard, and still they could be Richard, and still they could Oh, I could be Richard, and still I could be Richard, had him the Brunello. So he went and got his sister, he went and got his sister, he went and got his sister, had him the Brunello, and he tied her to the crystal, he tied her to the crystal, he tied her to the crystal, had him the Brunello, and he shoved him down the candy, he shoved him down the candy, he shoved him down the candy, had him the Brunello. Still he could be Richard, and still he could be Richard. Still they couldn't reach it, had in the Brunello. So he went and got his granny, he went and got his granny, he went and got his granny, had in the Brunello, and he tied her to his sister, he tied her to his sister, he tied her to his sister, had in the Brunello, and he shoved them down the candy, he shoved them down the candy, he shoved them down the candy, had in the Brunello, but we will fund his jury. We will fund this jury, we will fund this jury, it was the lost at all, for he funded to his pocket. Funded to his pocket, he funded to his pocket, it was the lost at all. That's brilliant. What a, what a fantastic end to a great evening. That's absolutely brilliant. Ian, you're just a star. You're a star. Absolutely. That was... Oh, the kiss parties were like, yeah, mm -hmm. thank you, thank Hello. you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Andy, do this bit as well up in the kiss. And oh. the kind of thing, what one you did, but it was very good. I've done a few, I've been, I remember doing you it. Ask him to get up the top here, surely, no, <laughs> <laughs> not, this, not this time of night, no, no, not for me, but no, I did, I have. I've done a swing low before now and got swing low sweet chariot and got hit by a rugby tackle out there by Rob Patterson. I think my rib right. was never to say ever again. Tell me to shove your chariots. Uh, exactly. <laughs> 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 That's been an absolutely cracking evening. It's a crazy video. I'm going to leave I'm going to leave this open, but I'm going to head off myself. So I'm going to leave this open and you guys carry on and any more crack you want to between it. Andy, I would just like to say, although I'm probably... All the swigger in town, as it were. <laughs> a young man sitting in the audience here with you. I can't mind his first name, the young lad Hunter. I have studied him for a wee while now, two or three years, and I think that's a young lad that's going to go a long way in the cattle world and maybe even higher in the cattle world. He's a very intelligent young man. I met him once in Aberdeen at Thameson, and I think it's Something about that man, that young lad there, that is going to go places. So the best of luck to you. Thank you very much, Ian. Finley, is it Finley? Yeah. yeah. Finley, yeah. yeah. Top yeah. man. Well, that, that's good praise. <laughs> coming from a man like, like Ian. Uh, sorry, Finley, I forgot your name. But I st I'm studying you every two or three months when you're coming out with cattle and that. And you're, you're just doing a great job. And sheep, by the way. And sheep. In fact, I think you're going to get too bloody good at this job. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy, Andy mm. uh, thank you for putting this on and the podcast all before this mm. the last two, two or three years since just after, or I can't imagine how long that was, but uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. And it's great to see all the, the faces there. Kent faces. 
See, Tom, you've just got about as much hair as me nowadays. That's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has been, it's been brilliant. I started this two, three years ago now, you're right in, three years where you were my first podcast guest and you had no idea how to work a podcast. I had no idea how to work a podcast. It was you, Hector, and myself and, and Diggy Macbeth, and then it all crashed and broke, and then we tried again the second time, and and then you all got pissed by that time, and the whole thing went. It, it, it worked out fine, and that's been three years ago. And I, and I will announce that I am. So we're going to drop it down every two or three weeks, so it's not going to be the weekly podcast anymore. So that's an announcement just now. But um, it's I've just it's been great. It's been brilliant talking to some great people. Uh, it's been absolutely magic. Really good, Andy. Very good. Brilliant. Happy Christmas, to everybody, and and hey. Thanks for the memories and, and all Thank the rest you, of it. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll... You know, Thank you for listening to that episode of Top Lines and Tales and our last two or three Christmas specials. In fact, our last 163 episodes that uh, you guys have stayed with us for the last three years, which has been brilliant. And you might have heard me mention at the end of that episode that uh, we are going to have a change in the Top Lines and Tales podcast where we're not going to quite be a weekly podcast anymore. We're still going to carry on running. We'll have specials. We'll have chats with a, a lot of top livestock producers. We've got a few people lined up for next year, which should all be absolutely entertaining and uh, and we still thank our help and our partnership with Harbro of course who suppliers and manufacturers of quality livestock nutrition and who've stayed with us for the last two or three years and make sure that you look them out and and see what Harbro can do for you in 2024 there get in touch with your local representative and uh, find out their fantastic range of products particularly in the winter time when those animals are needing that extra little bit of something special so thank you to them thank you to all you guys and uh, you stay in touch there and we will be back with uh, top lines and tails but in a slightly new format in uh, in the coming years